Hi, and welcome to today's SME Business Podcast. Your host, Mark, will be joining you to interview a founder of an SME business each week, highlighting lessons learned and revealing insights. Listen and learn each week on how to get and stay ahead. Hi, dear listeners. Thank you for tuning in for the next episode of the SME Business Podcast. Today, we're joined by Priti Mohan, all the way from Australia. She's working on a brand new podcast editing app. She's also a fellow at Startmate. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, lovely to be here, Mark. Uh, so just to you know, give our listeners an idea, um, can you tell me a bit more about yourself and how you got into entrepreneurship? Yeah, sure. So... The last 12 years, I've actually been a marketer um, and I've worked for large corporates like Samsung, Intercontinental Hotels Group and Google. And actually, the epiphany moment came when I was at Google. I felt like I was um, doing some amazing, incredible projects, but I felt like in the large scheme of things, I was a drop in the ocean. Um, and entrepreneurship is something that has been very close to my heart um, and something I've always wanted to try out. And as fate would have it, um, I got the opportunity to join the Atla Startup Accelerator program um, in January uh, this year. And then um, I got the opportunity to dive headfirst into the world of startups um, and kind of fell in love with it. Uh, it, it, It's interesting you mentioned like uh, where you like uh, you've felt like you were doing brilliant work but then it was a drop in the ocean. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have been there where um, before they were um, you know um, running their own business you know if they were employed they were doing stuff that they felt was like a massive impact but because of the larger organization it didn't necessarily have the same recognition um, so you go like oh yeah not like if I do it myself and um, you know I, I, I'm you know I, I, I'm more effective and then I'm more able to steer where I'm going and such well you know if you're part of a large organization of course you're yeah you're working towards uh, let's say organizational objectives uh, which might be different from your own personal ones And I think the other motivation for me was actually um, to enable more jobs in the ecosystem. Um, Yes. Because rather than, I've always had this philosophy, right? Like rather than giving people money to support or whatever, I really believe in enabling them by creating lifestyles that support them. And part of that is actually like creating more jobs for the ecosystem. Um, so that is also a huge motivation and driver for me. Yeah, yeah, because of course, you know, it, it is also up to, uh, up to entrepreneurs to like create new jobs. Um, um, and we need, uh, you know, new, new uh, small businesses that end up growing and growing and growing. Um, so they become the Googles of the future. Exactly. And that's what we need. And also, uh, you might have heard of this statistic as well, where um, it was like a lot of the larger organizations that used to be basically on the New York Stock Exchange and such. Um, a lot of them are no longer around because yeah, they, they might be around for now 50, 60, 70 years. Um, but a lot of them, uh, you know, they, they end up yeah, um, 
not being able to innovate enough, if you will, um, and then they end up going away, being replaced by, by something else. And then that's why it's important that, that new businesses are being started because just from an economic perspective already, uh, we, have, we need the new large businesses of tomorrow, if you will. That's right, exactly. Um, so I was wondering as well, um, f according to your perspective, what's the difference between a job versus uh, running a startup? Yeah, so there are so many differences between a corporate job and running a startup. So in a corporate job, as I said, like you might be doing some incredible stuff unless you're actually super high up in the ladder. The impact is quite minimal. But I think it's beyond that, actually. So in a corporate job, you're actually um, told to focus on a vertical, focus on a specific skill, hone into that and do that really well. Um, and I think that is sage advice if you are going to stick to the worlds of corporate. And also, even though the growth mindset and innovative thinking is encouraged in the corporate world, I feel like it's not celebrated as much as it's encouraged. The startup world is quite different. Um, so in the startup world, it's quite the opposite. So you, especially as a founder, you have to be the jack of all, all trades, um, if possible, the master of all trades. Um, and also you're encouraged to actually understand stuff about industries you've never worked in and to go deeper and continuously learn. And it is a true embodiment of the growth mindset and it's a true celebration of that as well. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, especially when you're starting, you know, as a founder, uh, you're doing a thing, uh, you're wearing so many hats that you could probably start a hat shop. Um, oh, absolutely, you should see my shelf. Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, fortunately, uh, in a way, uh, probably uh, uh, it's good that they're all virtual hats because uh, we would all need to get a bigger house, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how, how many things you have to do. And um, yeah, like you said, the impact, um, you know, if you're performing a specific function, uh, yeah, it's only you about you doing that specific function well. And that, that that's that's all the, all the remit you get, basically. Um, well, as a founder, um, because you're wearing so many hats, the impact is much bigger because then yeah, all your various efforts come together uh, to create a snowball, if you will. Exactly. And let me tell you, I think in the year that I've um, been in this startup ecosystem, I've learned more than the last 12 years um, in a corporate job. Oh, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I've heard that a lot where people go like, oh, you know, like um, I left corporate world and I work for myself now and God, there's so much stuff that, uh, that I only now know that I have no idea about before. Um, so, yeah, it's almost one of those things where I know corporations go like, you know, uh, you know, the, the fashionable thing is like entrepreneur. Yeah. And, you know, that, and then. But let me tell well, you, an entrepreneur in a well-established company is a huge, hugely different ball game to an actual entrepreneur when you're starting yes. from scratch and the brand is not recognized and you're actually yes. building all the building blocks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as people like to say, you know, like trying to build the airplane while you're falling down. Um, 
um, or was it the helicopter? I forgot which one I was one of the two. Um, um, yeah, so that, that that's thing. But also, my point was going to say with that one is that um, you know a lot of corporations do that, and then it kind of kind of like falls by the wayside because uh, a the person actually doesn't wear all the hats and also can't wear all the hats because they still yeah too many let's say decision processes um, and you know like a lack of remit if you will. Um, and then uh, is it, then the other thing that comes around is that maybe there is a team that that's able to like come up with something completely new but then having to uh, convince the rest of the organization that they need to do that that's a whole different ball game and I've, I've seen um, yeah teams sitting there you know like uh, um, hot shots if you will um, all sitting behind their MacBooks you know stereotype um, <laughs> uh, like you know like you know coding like you know like uh, you know, like um, like they're going to the speed of sound, that kind of thing. Um, but then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, now we have to convince the rest of the organization. Um, that's right. That, I that's think where, that's where it goes wrong a lot of times. You're absolutely right. I think matrixed organizations means there's a lot of stakeholders with input, um, which means yeah. by default, your speed to market is hugely um, stretched. Yes. Um, and... I mean, I think it's fine having been in a corporate world. That is the way corporates need to operate. Even in corporates that have been fairly agile, I think yes. that rigor is needed just because of the stakes involved. Yes. Whereas startups uh, yeah. don't have yeah. that complexity. No, exactly. Yeah, you know, you're not betting a lot um, in a way. Um, you're not like, um, you know, if you're talking about like a, a organization with 100,000 plus uh, employees, um, yeah, you, you can't in a way wholesale change everything because you're potentially, um, yeah, risking um, yeah, the employment of a lot of people. But also uh, one of those things where um, there's not a lot of um, access capacity to then help get people to work on other stuff. Um, and what I'm trying to say is that, you know, like if you have existing product lines and such, even if you can find people that, that want to work on it because they have existing responsibilities, it's, it's hard to like um, cut them loose, if you will. Uh, because yeah, that is managers right. will be like, you know, like, but um, I don't want you to take away uh, these, these, my resources, like for the, uh, these, the, my resources, like for 20% or something of the week, a existing internal, external clients suffer that kind of thing. Um, I was going to say as well, um, getting to my uh, next question as well, of course, and talking about startup. So, so what's your startup? Yeah, so my startup is a podcast editing app. And the whole purpose and the mission of the startup is to actually make it easier for more people to share their stories. Um, and this can be personal stories, it can be your passion projects, or your your business story and I think podcasting especially um, is evolving it's changing so much and we just want to make it easier because what we found in our research and our surveys is that the number one barrier to entry to podcasting is actually the editing and so we want to make that easier initially by offering um, a service that allows you to transcribe your audio into text and then it allows you to edit the text which in turn um, edits your audio so 
you have text that gets transcribed you delete the words you don't like or you copy and paste to reorder just like you would a word document and then that outputs a clean audio file cool uh, that's that's I, I, I transcribe as well uh, <laughs> um, but then the editing is different so it's cool like you transcribe and then you're able to edit the audio which is like yeah completely different than than all other apps that i know about yeah exactly um, so we want to make editing as easy as a word document because the average editor knows how to edit a word document right um yes whereas most of the audio editing interfa interfaces are quite complicated um and not made for someone who's brand new to the world of editing and um podcasting no no that's to be fair you know like uh, uh, yeah, i i have some audio background that kind of thing yeah you know, which probably makes it easier for me but uh, if you come on literally uh, green if you will um yeah some of these tools can really be daunting and uh, yeah the editing you know especially if it's if it's the audio bit um, it's like you know like where do i cut off where where do i mute that kind of thing um well if it's in in, in text it's quite obvious um where do you have to do that um so yeah and then being able to then have have the audio output again after the editing that that's brilliant yeah, and the idea is by reading instead of having to listen to every word, yes. you're able to cut down a lot of time. So um, early users have said it saved them, like they typically would take two hours to do it. This has taken them 15 to 30 minutes. Wow, yeah, that, that's that's definitely quick. Uh, I know myself that uh, I can spend, um, I don't know, I would say probably like an hour editing. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm getting quicker every day to be fair, um, but still uh, a lot of time goes it goes into it. Um, I was thinking as well. So then you also have the transcription automatically as well. So that doesn't you don't need to use a different tool for then. Correct, right. and and you can yes. use the transcription. Um, it helps your podcast in terms of SEO and stuff. If you want yes, to, yes, yes, I was going to say, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's. Um, Two, two, not two birds, one stone. Three birds, one stone. Something like that. <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, exactly. Yes, it'd be like a marketing slogan. Three birds, one That's stone. That's our new slogan. Yeah, yes, adopted. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say as well, so uh, you kind of like already explained a little bit, but why uh, is now the right time for, for the tool? I think what we've seen is that podcasts are rapidly exploding so if you look at where youtube was a few years ago that's the inflection point podcasts are at at the moment um so a lot more advertising dollars are put into podcasts so if you want to make money from podcasts now is probably the time to get into it it's also small enough so youtube has 50 million people podcasting has now just reached 1.7 million and if you consider this is a global audience there is still a huge chance to create your own audience from podcasts. And in terms of the number of listeners, like in um, most of the developed countries, at least 75% um, of the audience in those countries are aware of podcasting and do listen to podcasts. And it's actually one of the biggest brand building opportunities because 
People on average listen to podcasts that are 20 to 35 minutes in length. So instead of having an ad that's 15 seconds or whatever, you actually have the opportunity to engage and keep someone's attention for 20 to 35 minutes, if not more. Yeah, yeah, th- 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 I think that's a great point you make there because, um, you know, you, you have companies uh, pay a lot of money for ads that are, you know, potentially flashing before people's eyes. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, the tension is already lost. Um, it's like, a, you know, like a, a goldfish effect, if you will, where it's like, you know, like a, I've seen something, but I don't remember. Um, while with the podcast, um, A, it's much longer, but also um, more cost effective and also it helps people um, know the person behind the company. Um, exactly, so, it gives so, the personality you know, so in immediately. It's, it's, but, so it's more, you know, in the end, we know we don't do business with companies, we do business with people. Um, so if, if you uh, then attract listeners that, that then, you know, um, you build a, a, a personal relationship with uh, because of the podcast, um, yeah, yeah, then yeah, you end up in a situation where it, you can just create, create inbound leads um, because, yeah, people start trusting you because they can see and, well, not see, but they can hear you uh, in the podcast and then how you are as a, as a human, basically. Exactly. And actually, one other thing is, like, if you can do a YouTube channel, by all means, do try to do a YouTube channel. But editing a video versus an audio is so different. And the editing difficulty actually becomes almost tenfold the minute you add any visual elements to it. Yes, yes. Uh, YouTube, that's a whole different thing. It's one thing doing a thumbnail, which is already an art in itself. Uh, yes. With YouTube, if you don't do the thumbnails right, then yeah, you can kind of like already forget it in a way. Um, unless you're, you know, like Oprah Winfrey or something where it doesn't matter what you post, that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, it depends on your resources. But um, yeah. if you want to get your word out there and your brand out there, like I think podcasting is kind of the brilliant intermediate way to do it yes um, yes yeah and then like you yeah. said the, the seo of, of transcribing uh, which i do myself um, yes but yeah I, i'm using actually a different tool for that um so yeah this is already brilliant because uh, it cuts down on expenses that way as well perfect um, was uh, was you think as well so um you kind of like mentioned it's why podcasts are so important um so we kind of like covered that one in a way um, because I wanted to ask that one why it's so important for marketing. Um, but yeah, you mentioned already um, that um, you know the, the, the tension is longer. Um, you know that you build a personal relationship as well. Um, and actually, so what... like for marketing, um, there are actually multiple benefits. So a huge benefit. I think you touched on this earlier is SEO. Yeah. Um, so because most podcasters have website links and stuff, um, you're able to also create inbound links by using other, uh, by guest appearances on other podcasts, but also your transcriptions are a way of creating more SEO traffic for yourself. Um, and as I mentioned, podcasts are still fairly new, so having that presence on that medium when there isn't a crowded market will actually put you far ahead of the game. Yes, yes, because, you know, there will be other businesses that will be like, um, 
waiting there. It's like, okay, should we do it? Um, Correct. And then, they're like, you know, by the time they do it, you're already in season two, if you will. Um, Correct. And you got, you know, the process down. You get referrals, so you don't need to, you know, find guests. Guests find you, etc., etc. And before you know it, you're really in the top hundred podcasts for entrepreneurship or something, uh, depending, of course, where where you want to be. Uh, but yeah, the SEO, uh, the transcription, yeah, that really helps. Um, like I said, the uh, the backlinks um, um, from you know uh, appearing on on, on episodes uh, that helps as well. Um, um, and yeah, that, that that's what I do as well. You know, like link out um, because that I know that that helps. Uh, you know, everybody that kind of thing. Um, and similar and to YouTube, you actually build up a community. So it's not a one-way conversation with podcasts. Yeah. It's actually a two-way conversation, not just with your guest, but also with your audience. Yes, yes. And also um, I, what I personally do as well, uh, I run a mailing list as well. Um, yeah. That, that, that's specifically um, for um, your podcast listeners as well. Uh, which then you know you can say like say no like oh I got a new episode here it is, uh, and then you know you can mix in a few mails uh, yeah, here and there that that talk about your business if you will. Um, Perfect. So yeah, you combine the the, the two things. Uh, but also, um, I think I, I one one thing I want to stress when it comes to like why it's so important is that it's 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 uh, cheap is like the wrong word to use because I think it's like a high value content. But cost effective, it, 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 but it's, it's extremely cost effective when you are comparing it to things like, uh, let's be honest, Facebook ads or, or Google AdWords or such. Um, and also, I think this is even more important for smaller media businesses is that sometimes, for instance, your keyword could be such that it is actually extremely expensive for you to even like uh, rank high or, um, you know, to, to be able to run an ad. Um, because the keyword that, for instance, that you want to like rank for, um, is also haunted, if you will, <laughs> haunted uh, by uh, by large organizations that that have like multi-million pound budgets, um, and and in the in the podcast space, um, yeah, that is less of an issue because if if you have um, the right content, quote unquote. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, basically, because yeah, you will you will build a following. Absolutely, and I think you get as much as in um, as you put in, so you you get as much out of it as you put in is what I meant to say. Yes. Um, so the yeah, more. So yeah. Yeah, because uh, of course, if you if, uh, if if one of the things like you know if if you guys go like you know like. Um, this person you know like i was in this podcast that hey that's a, that's a um you know an inbound link if you will um uh, but it's also um you know building your reputation you know like um if you have like i don't know let's say um 25 guests on a year um that's 25 people that that uh, potentially spread uh, positive information about you and basically act like a, a testimonial if you will um and then that that all adds up um, because these 25 people talk let's say to 10 people each that that's already 250 people reached and, uh, absolutely and, and, uh, and that's how it goes and and before you know it uh, elon musk will be calling you and be like hey we need to be best buddies or something absolutely that's how it always works exactly 
Um, so I was wondering as well, it's like why you're specifically working on this problem to solve compared to like other potential issues? Yeah, so having been a marketer, I've actually created over 33,000 pieces of content. That's audio and video. But every single time I've created this content, I've had to transcribe it sef separately and then like look at the time stamps, look at the text. And then I've had to put it into an editing app or worked with an agency to do the editing. And then there's been a collaboration element to it as well. Um, and I just thought with technology advancing so much, there just had to be a better way. And I really want to enable a future where it's easier for people to tell their stories. I think there are some amazing platforms there that allow you to distribute the content. But in terms of editing, it's still a huge friction point. And so yes. that's why um, I'm solving this problem. Yeah, because for instance, like I know, like you know, people are, like using, you know, Skype with plugins to then record guests and such. And as like you look at it and go like, well, that's really, yeah, suboptimal. Not to use it uh, uh, a, a friendly word. Um, huh. And then you know that there's other ones that you know you can record the podcast. Um, but then you know, it, you know, you still go like, oh, there's a timeline there, and then there's audio, and like, what's noise, what's not noise, um, you know, if, if only those editing tools would be like, you know, uh, from AI, it would start detecting whether this is noise or not. So you know, like, that would be one thing, but the, those those tools don't do that. Um, so you end up having to listen to the whole episode, which can be nice. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that also means that, you know, you can't, um, your attention has to be there, um, which, which is, a, you know, like a, a major thing where you like, if you don't pay attention for the whole episode, you can end a situation that you thought you edited everything, you publish it, and then you find out that you forgot something. Um, and then, yeah, you, you have to correct and you can republish an episode, but yeah, yeah it's not always great. Absolutely. Um, and I think... That is something that um, is a huge plan pain point um, and it's something that we are looking to solve as part of the um, bigger solution. Yes, and um, I, I was thinking as well, it's like, you know, um, um, you know, uh, hopefully we get more um, directories and such that, that where you can uh, publish your uh, podcast uh, as, a, as a blog. Um, you know, like a, like a directory, like a, almost like a, a good old-fashioned Yellow Pages Yahoo directory. Because um, that would be cool as well, because if it gets easier for people to edit and, and transcribe, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm willing to bet as well there's there's other there's people that will be like, I'm not in a position to listen to a podcast, but then if I, if I have it transcribed as well, then um, yeah, I'll, I can still subscribe that, that thing. Um, so yeah, with this tool, um, obviously it becomes much easier to transcribe, which means that um, yeah, potentially more audience to reach for uh, uh, podcast hosts. Absolutely, and actually, one habit I've gotten into is actually if there are transcriptions or descriptions available in the podcast, I will almost always skim read them before I actually decide to listen to an entire episode. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, I took, but that's one of the reasons. Uh, of course, like I, I transcribe for, like you said, SEO purposes, 
but I also go like you know people can go like okay is this conversation you know covering things that I like and then hey I can press like download um, well you know if it's strictly audio only yeah they have to download and be like let's keep uh, fast forward to the episode be like mm, you know is this something I want to listen to this guy um, so yeah that, that's interesting way as well um, to, to uh, approach it um, I was thinking as well um, about the the thing right now of course with the, the coronavirus uh, uh, and then the pandemic um, what do you think uh, governments around the world could do better to help small businesses grow? I think there's a lot and I if I were a government I would be leaning in to support small businesses as much as I could so as I mentioned they are the creators of future jobs so I think um, there's there's a lot that they can do to support um, things like initiatives like fundamental health um, because I think that is a huge problem that is flying under the radar at the moment. Um, and apart from that, monetary support like grants and everything, I think is so important. Um, and I know at least in Australia, the government do a decent job of providing grants, but it's notoriously hard for businesses to get grants because of their rules. And for example, there's a female founders grant, but if you have investors that are male, even if you're 51% share, I mean, so you'll be diluted, obviously. So even if you're the majority shareholder, you're still not eligible for the grant. Oh, that does and suck. that's really painful, right? Yes. Um, and especially when you're at an early stage and every single dollar counts, and especially dollars that do not, um, result in equity dilution it's really important for startups um, yes. so having that monetary support with rules that actually do support the ecosystem and do serve the purpose I think is really important yes yes um, and I think uh, you know uh, the statistics are kind of like the same around the world uh, when it comes to this where um, a, a large or majority part of the economy, like 90% plus around the world, is small business. Um, so yeah, that's I think uh, I think a, a gripe, if you will, um, that a lot of um, small business organizations um, have with governments around the world. They go like, yeah, you're putting all this focus in large enterprise, um, but it's the small businesses that actually are spending locally. It's 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 gen it's it's building the businesses tomorrow that will employ the many um so yeah i think a lot of governments like um to be honest i dropped the ball on that one and um yeah uh, fingers crossed they 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 come around and you know do better yeah um, to be honest i think it's small businesses that could use all the help like to be honest the large companies they have ways of sustaining they have relationships if they have good enough teams, they will find a way to survive. Yes. Um, but the small businesses, every little ounce of support actually helps. And it's the difference between it staying as a small business or going out of business to actually progressing and growing into a larger business. Yes. Yeah, because a lot of, like you said, you know, like 
uh, if that's you know like uh, if you're a large enterprise you know for instance now with COVID, yeah but basically if you had a sound business and and you know like the business is still around it as and you know it's not seasonal that kind of thing a lot of them can like get bridging loans because you know it, the business model is not going to go away if you will um and of course the the business is big enough um that they're still uh, making enough money that they can pay back that massive loan well it's a small business um, yeah though those loans are not there until you get to the point where basically yeah you you end up being larger enterprise where you don't really need to loan anymore and that's when they start loaning to you um, correct which is like the other way around of course um uh, again, you know, I I get it, you know, like the powers that be and uh, and and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it needs to be better. So yeah, this 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 question I I ask everyone um, because I secretly hope that that um, governments around the world start listening to this podcast and go like, you know what? I start noting down some ideas um, because yeah, some some things need to change because I, I think in general the whole economy is moving more to, to people working for themselves in one form or the other. Um, so the government's denying that that, that um, trend line, if you will, um, is not really helpful. That, uh, you know, um, for instance, like UK, they keep talking like, uh, you know, find jobs, find jobs, find jobs. Well, actually, you know, like uh, there's there's so much self-employment um, and, and, and that's not going to go back in the bottle, if you will, uh, that genie has uh, spilled. And I actually think um, there are organizations that have appeared who do it independently of the government and they're doing a brilliant job. So even if governments connect with them and use them as the enablers to foster this ecosystem or support them, that's an easy way to actually help improve the ecosystem. Yes, yes. Um, so of course, you know, like, um, the listeners will be, uh, fellow entrepreneurs, but also will be listeners that are thinking about starting a business. Um, so uh, question on behalf of them, if a budding entrepreneur would ask you for one piece of advice, what would it be? So the biggest thing that has got me through this year is resilience. I know resilience has been thrown around a lot, but for an entrepreneur, it's everything. So stay resilient and how you do that is by finding your cheer cheerleaders and also having your vision and being unwavering in your vision so figure out your north star follow it and make sure you have people to support yeah that's a great point uh, you know resilience uh, uh, you know like um, keep going in a direction you know like um, don't stop at that at first uh, bumps um, it, it's it's you know I'm not saying it's easy like to walk away um, but but it's easy to think like you know like um, this is not the right time uh, this is not gonna work um, but yeah you have to like keep pushing um, and I think you know like uh, you mentioned before that the mental health as well it's important for, for founders to also um, work on their mental health meditate and such um, and work out if you can if gyms are not closed wherever you are um if the gyms are closed then you know um, work work out at home or you know um, outdoors um, i absolutely recommend yoga because it's kind of meditation and exercise all in one um and the yes. breathing from yoga actually 
uh, that's how I start my day, even if it's like five minutes. Yes. Um, but it just helps set me on the right path, even if I'm having a very difficult day. Yes. It helps ground me um, and give me a a fresh mind to yes. tackle the day. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yoga is an excellent thing. Um, I used to do like Pilates as well, um, um, which I don't do anymore. Uh, but, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I meditate daily, um, uh, which is very important because, it, you know, like I said, it helps you like um, get in the right mindset if you will uh, to attack today um so a bit of a fun question if you had a magic wand, what would you want to make happen so something i really want to do in the long term is create a entirely new school um and the premise of the school would be supporting um all sorts of students so I think it is important to learn like your basics, math, science, English, etc., like or whatever language. But I actually think schools need to do a lot more in terms of focusing on students' strengths and actually fostering them because even as an adult, you can actually grow up and not realize what your strengths are. So the sooner those strengths are identified and developed, I think it'll create an entire ecosystem of more confident high achievers um, and high achievers in every single category, not just specific to the ones where there are bias. And by bias, I mean the ones like, especially for example, myself, and I'm not saying my parents did this at all because they didn't, but like, Indians are known to um, become either doctors or lawyers or engineers. Um, and I think there's so much out there <laughs> that you can, you can become these days. So having that confidence and having the nurturing at a young age to help you develop your skills and really grow into your strengths will create an entirely amazing new future. Yeah, and I think uh, it's a great point, you know, um, we tend to like, you know, um, uh, the school system is like almost like trying to put people in the mold, if you will. Um, and I think like one of the things that, that I personally like as well is like uh, teaching, teaching entrepreneurship um, earlier on. Um, you could say, you know, we don't teach it at all, but that's a different point. <laughs> um, uh, absolutely. Uh, and also yeah, life like, skills, right? Yeah, because then, there are so many things like basic communication and empathy and all of these things that I think are so important, but never get formally taught, which means no, no. only a partial part of the world does those things well. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, if you come from the right backgrounds, then, then you, you get taught those things early on. If you don't, exactly. then, you know, it'd be like, you know, just get a job, um, which is not you know, as straightforward as it was like uh, 20, 30 years ago, where yes, you would just get a job and, you know, that would be done and you work until your retirement and get a nice, fine salary pension. And, you know, um, that the, the world has changed, so that needs to change as well. And um, I think there's lots of kids sitting in, in high schools around the world um, that are um, entrepreneurs, but they don't know it yet. 
but if they Correct, don't get stimulated, exactly. then yeah, um, that's that's a problem because we need those people. We need. Um, I know. That, I know. It's like easy to say in like user boss with like diversity as such, but for we need diversity in in entrepreneurs. We need people to start businesses coming from 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 neighborhoods where um, that's not the norm currently. Uh, we need better representation. We need people to go like um, if they look at Shark Tank, Dragons Den, or whatever uh, it's called, depending on which part of the world you're in. Uh, we need people to go like you know like uh, uh, that guy. Uh, yeah, oh, I know him. He's like from my from my town, that kind of thing. Um, because yeah, th there's going to be lots of people with brilliant ideas, but they don't necessarily have the um, right environment for them to like step into their uh, power. Um, so exactly, yeah, that, that and really needs to change. And I think it's not just entrepreneurship. If you actually think about the arts and things like that, like there could be a whole generation of new movie makers or, um, yes. or, or like these days, YouTube creators, podcast creators and things like that. And I know, for example, um, a friend of mine only at the age of 45 realized what her true calling was. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, she had been in corporate jobs and everything before, but realized that actually her passion was for the arts and that's what she truly excelled at. It's just that she never received that opportunity earlier. No one ever told her that this was a strength and it was only at 45 that she discovered all this. So I think discovering it earlier just opens you up to so much more and leads helps you lead like a much more fulfill, fulfilling life yeah and then and, avoids and the, the like the dread of like, like you know midlife crisis kind of thing where people go like you know like i've been doing this for 20 years or whatever um but is this really what i want um and yeah, probably if we you know give people more handles earlier on they, they can still make the same decision but at least they they are well informed of what what is possible um other than you know the the, the beaten path if you will. um so yeah hopefully you know that changed uh, changes and i think um the, the the whole thing doing virtual should um decrease um, um the distance virtually as in you know give the opportunity for you know like enterprise to speak at schools and such um you know, that wouldn't be great, you know, like to get like, I don't know, like Tony Robbins or something to like uh, address um, like charter schools and such virtually. Um, yeah. So, you know, absolutely. some kid goes like, you know, like, um, I don't know, like, um, I, forgot, I forgot the guy's name from FUBU. Um, oh, yeah. Damon John. Yes. You know, like, and then basically have kids go like, you know what? Oh, if he did it, then I can do it. Um and that, that that that's really you know like um i think what i'm trying to do with this podcast as well is like um like provide a stage you know not for the people that have all the right connections already um but but you know provide a uh, yeah let's say soapbox if you will um so so more people can start believing in themselves yeah absolutely um, and there's basically 
this entire COVID experience has actually leveled the playing field. Yes, exactly. So anyone from every anywhere is now accessible because yeah. remote is the way of the future. Yes, and and I know there's some organizations that are going like you know we'll go back and people can only work from home two days a week. But what what these organizations are all forgetting is that other organizations that are literally direct competitors for the same talent are saying no we're going to be remote first or uh, basically or not remote first but basically you can just work remote um, so this simple market dynamics if, if, if you're in a marketplace and, and four of your major competitors are all offering uh, remote only positions then guess what you can say that you want people to come in for two days a week but at one point <laughs> you will have to budge because um, you will miss out on people um, that don't want to or can't for some reason or the other or you miss out even on talent that because of where you're based um, they would never to uh, decide to uh, up sticks if you will um, well if you operate on, on, on a remote um, uh, basis um, yeah you can access talent that, that you would have never had access to before absolutely um so yeah that that's that that's my hope where um yes there might be some displacement uh, and, and I, I get the worry um but it also means that um, entrepreneurs in the countries where startup ecosystems are not as robust um, because of the the, you know, um, the virtual both uh, decreasing the distance to market if you will um you know, it should become easier for for other companies to start and that that that's what uh, my hope is you know like uh, let's you know like get like lots of entrepreneurs uh, in africa come up with products and such and bring them to uh, u.s markets and to european markets and, and such um, and then grow from within um, and then you know people go like hey he did it so i can do it and then you get a snowball effect absolutely um, I was going to say as well, so how can people get in touch with you? So the best way is probably to reach out through LinkedIn. Um, so Preeti Mohan, um, and I'm sure you'll put in a link afterwards. Yes, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as well as Twitter. Yes. Um, I was going to say, trying to think. Um, sometimes I do an impromptu question. <laughs> sure yes um i was gonna say um yeah this is a question that i like asking as well um, it is almost at the end of the year um what are your plans for 2021 business oh, two 2021 is when we'll actually um do our product launch uh which is exciting so it should hopefully be a big year um and it's really about hustling and scaling up for us. Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, before you know it, you all have a, a big headquarters and, um, and people will be like, uh, oh yeah, have you heard about this one? Um, like, why are you not using it yet? And Joe Rogan will reach out and be like, uh, like, I need to use it. And you can be like, no, Joe, if you want it, you have to pay uh, for the VIP plan or something like that. 
I love the I love the way you think, um, and certainly hope that's where we are next yeah, year. No, you have to like you know visualize all this stuff and be like completely yeah, exactly, and then you know you make it happen. And to be fair, um, uh, three birds, one stone. Keep that one in, because people will be like, no, it's two birds, one stone, and then you be like, no, and actually in this case it's three birds, one stone. Absolutely. Um, thank you for your time. And, um, Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Me. I hope you had fun. Uh, for the listeners at home, in the, in the ocean, on a tropical island, on a cruise ship, or well, maybe not a cruise ship right now, um, somewhere sun, uh, maybe on Norpol if you like the cold. Um, if you're on a space station, do uh, you know? Uh, let me know. I can do a shout out um, because my daughter would like to be an astronaut. So um, personal highlight there. Um, highlight high in the sky. Okay, really crappy dad joke. Um, but anyway, thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you with next episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to having you tune in again next episode. See you next time.